The Apostle John has repeatedly told us in the letter of 1 John that sinners who have been saved by God's grace are recognizable by three characteristics, faith, love, and obedience. And all three of those characteristics appear in our text today. So we look at our text, we'll see three things that are true in the life of every believer. That is this. We're converted. We're given the new birth by the grace of a sovereign God. We are conflicted. Even with a fallen nature, we love and obey and struggle against sin in this fallen world. And then third, we're completed. We are victors over sin, death, and hell because of Christ's victory. We'll look at those three things, and then we will discuss for just a few moments the believer's struggle with sin and circumstances in this life. Look with me now at 1 John chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of Him. By this we know we love the children of God, when we love God and obey His commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? This is the Word of God. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your Word. We thank you for the uh, text that we have before us this morning. We pray, Lord, that you would bless the reading of it and the preaching of it to the glory of Christ and the good of our souls. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Look at verse 1. John says, everyone, everyone. That is a completely comprehensive term. He says, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. No exception. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. When he says that we believe that Jesus is the Christ, that is his first century shorthand for saying those who have believed the apostolic gospel that John preached to them, that Peter preached to them, that James preached to them, that Paul preached to them. Notice, this is just a simple statement of fact. It's not a promise and it's not an offer. John is just clearly telling us that everyone who is believing that Jesus is the Christ has been once forever with finality born of God. The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you believe this morning, my friend? Do you believe this morning in the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ? That He is indeed eternal God, made flesh, as much human as you and I. That He was tempted in all points just as we are yet without sin. That He is the perfect, the perfect God-man. That His death on the cross was substitutionary and sacrificial. That He satisfied the wrath of God by His death there under God's wrath, the shedding of His blood, that He was buried in a tomb and on the morning of the third day resurrected, ascended to the right hand of God and is returning again physically, visibly, and gloriously. That's the good news. If you believe that this morning, my brother, my sister, Almighty God has given you the new birth. And the initial evidence of the new birth is faith. It is faith. You see, believing the gospel and having faith that Jesus Christ owns your sins and suffered and satisfied the wrath of God for your sins by His bloody death upon the cross is the first indication that you have been born of God. As our brother Jeff told us a couple of weeks ago, very articulately, 
Belief is not a prerequisite for salvation. Let me say that again. Faith is not a prerequisite for salvation. Belief, faith, is the evidence that you have been born of God. When Almighty God does what only Almighty God can do in the life of a man or a woman or a boy or girl, and He gives them spiritual life, the initial evidence of that life is faith. And it's accompanied always by repentance. Think of a theological coin. It has a head and a tail. Faith does not come without repentance, and repentance does not come without faith. Those two things are inseparable. That's point number one. Point number two comes from verses two and three. Look at that. By this we know that we love the children of God. When we love God and obey His commandments, for this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. How do we know that we love the children of God? We love God and we obey His commandments. When I love God and I obey His commandments, I am expressing my love for you, my brother and sister in Christ. It is the love of God that we should keep His commandments. And notice John says, and His commandments are not burdensome. His commandments are not grievous. His commandments are not heavy. It is a joy. Obedience to Almighty God is a joy. Love for our brothers. Love for God and obedience. Faith. Love. Obedience in these verses. Now notice, we love the children of God and we obey His commandment by God's grace even though we continue to be fallen men and women living in a fallen world. Sinners saved by grace, yes, but there is still an old nature. There is still an indwelling sin in each one of us, yet we love God's people. We love God and we have a deep desire to be obedient to Almighty God. Even though that old nature continues to reside in us, there is a new nature also, and those two are at war against one another. Notice, we do this, we do this, we struggle to love and we struggle to obey, and we struggle against that indwelling sin in our lives in the confidence that we have overcome the world in Jesus Christ. We're not only converted, we continue in this world conflicted, but praise God, we're completed. We are completed, and we are in the process of being completed, John tells us, interestingly enough. Our third point is being completed or overcoming. Look at verse 4. John says, for everyone, there's that word again, for everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. John is saying here clearly that everyone who has been born of God is overcoming the world. It could be translated that way. He is overcoming the world. She is overcoming the world. That is what is characteristic and natural in the life of a man and a woman that Almighty God has given the new birth to. It is the common thing. It is the usual thing. It is the desirable thing. Constantly, regularly overcoming the world. John says, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, once forever with finality, our faith. Not faith that rises up from within us, that somehow exercises itself in abstraction or in a vacuum toward the gospel of Christ, but the very faith that God has given us 
We possess it. It is mine. The faith that I have belongs to me. It is mine, but it did not originate within me. It is a gift from Almighty God to me by His grace. It is my faith. I possess it. And the faith that God has given me, the faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, overcomes the world. That's good news. That's good news. And that's true of, look, who? Everyone. Everyone who has been born of God is regularly and consistently overcoming this world. That does not mean that we are not regularly and consistently struggling against indwelling sin. But it means that we regularly and consistently experience victory over that sin. That doesn't mean that we don't fall. It doesn't mean that we don't repent. It doesn't mean that we don't experience the forgiveness of God on a daily basis. But it means that we are regularly living in Christ and overcoming the world. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? That concept of overcome indicates a struggle, a very difficult struggle, a battle. Paul tells us in Romans 8.37, that we haven't just overcome and we're not just conquerors, but that we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Who? Jesus Christ. We're more than conquerors. We have vanquished, we have subdued, we have prevailed, and we have obtained the victory. Every believer. Not through anything that we have done, but by virtue of the fact that by his grace, Almighty God placed us in his Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. With regard to our struggle against the devil, we read in Revelation chapter 12 about those that overcame. The Apostle John tells us that those that did overcome and stand before the throne of the Lamb and give Him glory, he says, they have conquered the devil by the blood of the Lamb. To quote him, he says, they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb. My friends, my brothers and sisters, there is no victory. There is no overcoming. There is no conquering in this world apart from the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Apart from His substitutionary, sacrificial death for His people on the cross. John tells us that we have overcome positionally. What Christ accomplished on the cross has been put to the credit of everyone whom God chose before the foundation of the world to give faith to. That is the position that those of us who have been given faith by God stand in before Almighty God. But it does not change the fact that we have a daily struggle in this world. In this world, with this world, with the flesh, and with the devil. The word overcome indicates that there is a struggle. Listen to what the Lord Jesus himself said in John 16. He said to his disciples, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation." But take heart, I have overcome the world. When the Lord Jesus said that in this world you will have tribulation, He's talking about affliction. He's talking about anguish. He's talking about burdens. All of the things that each one of us shoulder on a daily and weekly basis. Some of us have shouldered burdens that are seemingly inescapable. We cannot remember a time when that burden was not upon us. The Lord Jesus says, do not be surprised. In this world you will have tribulation. But he didn't stop there. He said, but take heart. 
I have overcome the world. You see, even in the light of the promises of verses 4 and 5 of our text this morning, we struggle to overcome sin. Let's talk about that struggle with sin. Let's talk about for just a few moments the the struggle against sin and, and the suffering of circumstances that come upon us in this world. The afflictions and the anguish and the burden that the Lord Jesus told us to expect. The world, the flesh, and the devil are our enemies. Let no one doubt that there is a relentless struggle against indwelling sin that remains in the flesh of the people of God. If you are one of God's people, there is a struggle against that indwelling sin in your flesh. And Satan, what about Satan? Satan is the committed, ferocious adversary of the people of God. He is the great deceiver. He is our enemy. He wants to destroy us. He wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy your testimony. He wants to destroy your family. He wants to destroy your children. He wants to destroy this church. He is our enemy. The world. There's the flesh and Satan. What about the world? John has told us, the Lord Jesus has told us, that the world has an intense hatred for the people of God. This world is the the system in which we live that is headed by none other than Satan and all of his people and all of his demons that are opposed to God, the Word of God, and the people of God. The world has an intense hatred for you, my brothers and sisters in Christ. The world is vicious and without pity in opposition to the sons and the daughters of God. There is no quarter. There is no mercy. There is a violent conflict between every believer and the world. My brother and sister in Christ, we are engaged in a spiritual war with Satan, with the flesh, and with this world. This world is determined to overcome us, to conquer us, to vanquish us, to subdue the people of God, to prevail over the church of Jesus Christ, and to defeat us. And there is nothing that this world will not use as a tool to accomplish that. The Bible categorizes them in in three different categories. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Every sin that comes to us comes through one of those gates. The desire of the eyes, the desire of the flesh, or the pride of life. Many of them occupy more than one gate. Many occupy two and some all three. But let this satisfy us at the moment that there is no sin that tempts us. There is no physical or emotional weakness that we have. And there is no circumstance of suffering in this life that is off limits for the world to use against us. Whatever our situation is, if the devil can turn it, he will. The people nearest to us, the people dearest to us, the people that we love the most. Anything, anything that the world can get its claws into to turn, to pervert, to warp, to use against us. Nothing. Nothing. Is off limits from the world's perspective. Every child of God struggles with sin, and suffers in circumstances. The Lord God had one son that never sinned. He has no sons that have never never suffered. One son that never sinned and no sons that never suffered. The Lord Jesus Christ was tempted by Satan himself. 
through the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and pride of life. We can read about that in two gospel accounts. And he struggled over the sin that was about to be his in the Garden of Gethsemane to the point of blood. We struggle against sin. We struggle with circumstances. We suffer circumstances. We struggle against sin and we suffer with circumstances. Many of the circumstances that we struggle with, that we suffer under, are beyond our control. Some of them we are directly responsible for. I don't need to go any farther down that road. You know what I'm talking about. We bring a lot of trouble on ourselves, don't we? Normally by being disobedient to God. But trouble that comes upon us is no sure indication that we have been disobedient to God and we should not interpret it so in the lives of others. There are some circumstances that come upon us that are beyond our control. And as we look around, people that we know, even you young folks, you've been around enough to know a lot of different people. It seems like that there are some people that have professed faith in the Lord Jesus Christ that seem to never have a care in this world. That's an illusion, by the way, but it looks that way on the outside. And there are other people that we have known through the years that it seems like every time they turn, they are facing another difficulty, another tragedy, another circumstance that they did not bring upon themselves, and they continue to suffer. And the question is, why? Why? And the answer is, I don't know. I don't know. That's a question that has eluded the philosophers and the theologians for years and years. I've got to tell you this, this is as far as the Scripture goes. Each and every one of us that are a child of God were born on the day that God had predetermined for us in the age which He did. We were given the gifts and the talents and the limitations and the difficulties that come into our life by the hand of a providential, sovereign, loving, all-wise, all-knowing God for His glory and our good. There are some of us here who do not know what it is to experience Childhood trauma through the loss of a parent or the divorce of parents or to be abused as a child. And there are some of us that do. There are some of us that had excellent experiences as we went through school. There's some of us that God has blessed with excellent education. There's some that don't have an education. There are some that don't know what a good home life would be like growing up. There are many of us that are experiencing wonderful health. Most of you are young, by the way. There are some of us that are older that don't have the excellent health that we once had. But not to minimize the fact that there are some people here this morning that are struggling with health. There have got to be people in this room that are struggling with relationships. Why? Why? Because we're fallen men and women living in a fallen world. And whatever it is that comes to us, comes to us providentially through the hand of a sovereign God who loves us and gave His Son for us and will withhold no good thing for us. And who promises us that all things work together for good to those that love God, who are the called according to His purpose. The Bible is clear. Regardless of where it is that we are in this life and what our load is, each one of us will have to bear our own load. But only a few verses before that, the Apostle Paul told the Galatians this, that we are to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Yes, my brother, my sister, you are responsible before Almighty God, but I am responsible to assist you to help bear your burdens. The Scriptures tell us to bear one another's burdens, to encourage and exhort one another, to love one another, and to pray for one another. The Bible is explicitly clear. Very clear. We are to restore those caught up in transgressions in a spirit of gentleness, keeping watch on ourselves, lest we also be tempted. A good translation of that is this. 
when we have a brother or a sister that's caught up in sin or suffering under circumstances beyond their control, we would be wise to thank Almighty God that we are not and to remind ourselves that but for the grace of God, that could be me. Fellow church members, if you are struggling with besetting sin or if you are suffering under the weight of circumstances beyond your control this morning, you are exactly where you need to be. You are assembled with the people of Christ. You are here to worship Christ and to hear the word of the Lord Jesus Christ. Whatever it is, whatever it is that you're struggling with, however shameful it may be, however it is that you would do to keep anyone from knowing, my brother, my sister, do not walk out that door and forsake the assembling of yourselves together with the people of Jesus Christ. There is no answer in the world. There is no bar. There is no club. There is no party. There is no drink. There is no drug that can deliver you from your sins. Only the blood of Jesus Christ. There is no alternate lifestyle that will encourage you to abstain from the passions of the flesh that war against your everlasting soul. Regardless of how accepted you may feel, you are only accepted as long as you are available to be abused and used and then thrown away and ground out like a cigar butt. There is no career, there is no amount of money, there is no sport, and there is no hobby that will exhort you to draw near to the throne of grace to receive mercy and find grace in your time of need. You are right where you need to be here this morning, my brother and sister in Christ. You're at the right place this morning. Why, brother, why? This is why. Because we here at Midtown Baptist Church have covenanted together to exercise affectionate care and watchfulness over each other. We take that seriously here. Because we have covenanted to faithfully admonish and entreat one another as the occasion may require. Because we have covenanted to bear one another's burdens and sorrows. You won't find that out there. Only here, among the people of God. You're in the right place this morning because we love you enough to not compromise the Scriptures. You're in the right place this morning because the people of Midtown Baptist Church love you enough to not excuse your sin. You're in the right place this morning because we pray for repentance and restoration in the lives of sinning brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. You're in the right place this morning because we pray for strength and grace in times of suffering and circumstances that you cannot control. What does that mean? What does that mean to you? What does that mean to you? It means this. It means that you are not alone. You are not alone. Your brothers and sisters in Christ, your fellow church members here, have your back. We will not leave you and abandon you on the field of battle. Whatever it is, whatever the sin is that's in your life, whatever the circumstance is that you are suffering, we love you we do not condemn you. We will not abandon you. 
We will pray for grace and strength. We will not condemn our brothers and sisters in Christ plagued by sin. There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. We will not abandon suffering saints. Confess your faults to one another. And cast your cares upon Him, for He careth for you. And more often than not, that care is exhibited in your church family. We will continue to love you. We will come alongside you and bear your burdens with you. We will call your name out before the Lord our God for grace and strength. Yes, indeed. You are in the right place this morning. Fellow church members, for the love of our brothers and sisters and in obedience to God. The Lord Jesus told us and John told us that we should be willing to lay down our lives for our brothers in Christ. We haven't been called on to do that yet. But I wonder, I wonder, I trust, I don't wonder, I trust, I trust that by God's grace that we are willing to lay down in the privacy of our own home by ones and twos or in very small groups, lay down stretched out with our face buried in the carpet, our hands turned toward the heavens and begging God begging God to convict and give repentance to those that we know that are struggling with sin for the good of their souls and for the glory of Jesus Christ. Pray that God give, God give, give, them, give them, them repentance and restoration in this body. And for those that are suffering under circumstances that are beyond their control and beyond their ability to understand, will you stretch out on that carpet with your face down and your hands up and beg God, praying fervently for Him to give grace and strength in time of need to the suffering. That's what God has called us to do. That's what the Lord Jesus Christ reasonably expects from each one of us that have experienced His grace to come alongside and support and pray and defend and beg for repentance and forgiveness and God's grace and God's strength in our members that are weak and hurting. Let me end with a word of confidence. I refer you back to verse 4. Under the inspiration of God's Holy Spirit, the Apostle John said this, For everyone, no exception, for everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Will you pray with me? Almighty Father, we come into your presence once again this morning asking for your grace upon us. Father, we lift up the hurting that are among us. We lift up the ones that are beset by sin and struggling with it. Lord God, we cry out to you and we beg for your grace in their life. We pray, Father, that you would give them fresh and new the gift of repentance, the gift of of cleansing. Father, we pray for restoration. Lord, we ask that uh, all that we have done here this morning and all that we continue to do, 
would be done decently in order, in spirit and in truth, would be pleasing to you, glorifying to the Lord Jesus, and good for your people. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.